Hello, good morning. I hope you're all living your life in a good way. I am a proud Anishinaabe woman. My name is Barbara Dumont Hill. I am Turtle Clan from Kitigamzibi. Today I welcome you all on our beautiful unceded Algonquin territory. The song I'm uh, going to open with is a, a welcome song, welcoming in our, our ancestors, the grandfathers, the grandmothers, all our relations to be here with us, to help us today, for all the all the things that are in our hearts, for all the things that we know are important, that are sacred. I was uh, saying to someone this week about how those Shadir Falls, how sacred they are. And uh, I had someone say to me, well, all the land is sacred. They're right, all the land is sacred. But those islands, those falls, there's those water spirits, our ancestors are there. The ceremonies that took place want to be, want people to come back and do ceremonies there. And uh, we are all responsible to be there to pray. And uh, so when I'm, I'm calling for ancestors to be here, it's all your ancestors, no matter who you are. I want them all here with us.
Barbara was joined there by Gabriel Fayant, who will be performing uh, 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 for us a little bit later as well, too. I now want, so I should tell you that I work for the Public Service Alliance of Canada as the Indigenous Rights Officer, and we have a national Aboriginal people's circle that comes from people that come from across the country to Ottawa a couple times a year uh, to plan campaigns and strategies on the rights of Indigenous peoples. And ever since the uh, uh, formation of this national circle, we've been fortunate to have as our spiritual advisor and uh, friend, Albert Dumont from Kitigashi. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Barbara, for the great song. I want to speak to you about my right, a God-given right that I have, to have a place of prayer and ceremony, a healing place. It's not a human right, it's a God-given right. Whenever I look around the community and the way the world is going, technology, and the power of money, what it's doing to our minds, what it's, our, what it's doing to our descendants. I know that we have to access these healing places to be able to understand more clearly that we're not machines that are expected to go to a job site and follow orders and Work nine to five, that's not the purpose of life of anybody. Our purpose of life is to heap praise on all the things Creator has placed in our territories that help the human beings to live well. Shadier Falls is such a place, it's a powerful place where water flows, where a person could go to feel like a human being, to understand something about the heart that's beating in their chest, to be able to understand something about commitment and duty to our families, to our community, to this country, to the trees and the birds, the animals and the fish. We've got a duty to them. They are stronger than we are. They understand purpose, and we don't. It's something that has been kicked to the curb, as my granddaughter would say. That purpose of life, why we should keep all things healthy, the difference it makes when a person begins their day with a prayer of thanksgiving. Because there's always something to be thankful for. There's never a time when there's nothing to be thankful for. If your health is poor, or someone you love has good health, and we're thankful for that. We have to understand about the fact that we'll all be ancestors someday. And three or four hundred years from now, when we're all dead and gone, the ones in this room, what will we have left? What will, what will they be able to say, our descendants, about this time in history, this moment, about the falls, 
and what we did and what we didn't do. We have to take it seriously to protect a sacred site. You know, it, it means everything. It's not fun and games. It's a serious thing, spirituality. And if there's anybody in this room that doesn't believe that they have a soul or something will continue to live, I feel sorry for that person. Because I know that I'm going to live again. I know that I'm going to hear an honor song sung for me when my heart stops beating. And it's going to be because of the love, respect, and honor that I have for sacred places like the Shawnee Falls. A small falls on, on an obscure river can do great things for a human being. But those falls are unique on the Ottawa River, the Grand River of the Algonquins. We need to understand what it means. We're just weak human beings. We need to understand. We really do need to understand about a soul and a heart and the future and ancestors and descendants. The love we have for our grandchildren and our grandchildren's grandchildren, yours and mine, to be fair and just and to be able to go to a place and appreciate it, to let the place talk to you, that sacred place. So we're going to have a good day today and thank you for listening. Thank you, Robert. Uh, so, you know, everybody who's engaged in this kind of work that all of us are brings uh, a unique talent to the table. And our next presenter uh, brings several. So not only being a committed social activist, Tito Mendino has served the, the, the labor movement, the broader social justice movement, in helping at almost every event I've ever been at to set up the sound and set up the lights so that we all have uh, an enjoyable experience. So I want to uh, thank and welcome uh, Tito Mendino.
What can we do if there is no water in the earth? This song I wrote in Spanish to preserve one uh, fountain of life. In the spirit world, the forest is the one who cares for our waters. Sometimes we just uh, destroy our water surface. We don't care for it. We prefer to see it uh, captured, prisoner inside a plastic bottle. <coughs> Agua vida, manantial de la esperanza mía, agua en sueño, el bosque es tu nahual, tu dueño, agua cerro, lluvia cantera, y corres arriba, guapa de la tierra agua eres toda mi verdad mi vida entera I want to thank uh, Greg McDougall, who's sitting there uh, uh, filming as we speak, who's done most of the legwork in bringing all of these speakers together, contacting them and setting them up and making sure that we were all on track. So thanks to, to Greg. Equitableeducation.ca. <laughs> Um, so uh, the next, our next presenter, of course, needs no uh, introduction. Uh, but again, I want to thank him for the tireless work of his time and of his resources that he's committed to the preservation of, 
of Sojir Falls and what a great, great uh, spokesperson he's been for this movement. And we are so lucky to have him on our side. Have this card now. I just want to remember uh, the sacrifices that uh, my elders made uh, in leaving their communities and being in the mountains in, uh, in Alberta and living under very harsh conditions because they couldn't practice their culture was forbidden in the, in the reserves in the community. Couldn't practice any of the ceremonies. So they moved up to the mountains where it was very hard. We had four rivers and everything to get there. And they dedicated a, their lives to preserve our beautiful culture so that they could pass it on to us. Um, I was fortunate to, to be one of the people that was trained by these elders and uh, I was so fortunate to to be able to participate in all the ceremonies and the, and the beautiful traditions of our people when most people were denied that. So that is a beautiful gift that the elders have given me. And in that gift I learned how absolutely beautiful our Anishinaabe culture is how it comes from the heart of loving and caring, how it connects us with our all living beings, how it connects us with the, our mother, the earth, how it connects us with everyone. And, uh, and so I saw that it is the way to live one's life. And uh, as uh, I've had the gift of being an architect, and it brings people's visions into reality, and that has been my job. That is the gift that they gave me. I was asked by these elders to, to serve our people in a good way. And, uh, and I was also asked to take on Trudeau in the white paper policy, and uh, with our 52 chiefs of Alberta, and get indigenous rights in our constitution, and to get Indian control of our education, which, which we did. And uh, however, I was also asked, <laughs> I was also asked by the elders. They said, "We have a vision for you. You're going to come to Ottawa and build a strong monument in front of our nation's capital." Uh, because we want them to realize that we and our country are not going to go away. And when they look outside the window, they'll see a very strong statement of who we are, a beautiful statement of who we are. And I'm also uh, asking you to, to uh, do that in front of the Capitol in Washington as well. That is your job. And also, when you go to Ottawa, here to honor the falls. Those falls are sacred to all of our Anishinaabe people. The host nation are the Algonquins. But all of our Anishinaabe people, from our Rocky Mountain house, Rocky Mountains here, uh, to the Atlantic, all our Anishinaabe people and the South, honor those falls. That is our sacred site. And it is the responsibility of all Algonquins 
to protect that site for all Anishinaabe peoples. And, uh, and so they asked me if I would work with William to make sure that happened. So I made a commitment to William, as I did to my elders. So that is fundamental to those, those islands are sacred to us all. Not only our Anishinaabe people, we welcomed all the tribes from the south and everywhere to lay down the weapons and come and join us in peace because we were a peaceful culture. We lived in peace. Peace and harmony, balance, that is our way. And so, the Windmill Project is a sacrilege to our culture, our people, our ceremonies, our way of being. And that has to be stopped because it shows no respect, no respect who we are for 10,000 years or more. We've had ceremonies on those islands. They have no right to be on those islands. That's unceded Algonquin territory. What's happened? They came and pushed our people north, pushed our people away by military means. They didn't respect. Even the Crown, they didn't respect anybody. And what is the only thing they care about? is money. So it's a question that you have. A billion dollar development, the government of Canada, or indigenous rights? Choose. Yeah. Our indigenous rights actually come from the creator. We are one with the Creator. No man can interfere with our rights. The elders say to me, the ultimate tyrant is our Creator. He can take your life and he can take your spirit. But the petty tyrant can only take your life. And the little petty tyrant can only take your goods. We're dealing with a very little petty tyrant. As warriors, we have to stand up for tyranny. Our Creator walks with us. Don't let them disregard our rights because we are all are in this together. We're all part of creation. Those islands the Creator formed like a sacred pipe, that is the foundation of our ceremonies. That's why the Creator did that, to honor us and honor everyone who honors those flaws. So I ask you all to make sure that you stand with us because you're also standing for yourselves when you stand with us because we're all connected. We're all part of each other.
honor, an honor to hear those words. Um, just before I introduce our uh, our next presenter, I want to let you know that uh, William Blumcheck is going to be handing out some information uh, about a little bit of history of the site and also ideas for action uh, that we'll talk about a little more as we close up. Uh, I'm going to invite Gabriel Fayette to come to the stage. Uh, she is going to uh, start us off with uh, uh, some 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 uh, song and and then share a few words with us. Gabriel. Honey, bonjour, tante, miigwech, um, Douglas and Albert and everybody else, Tito, uh, Barbara, your words are very inspiring and uh, we really appreciate all the, all the things you've been doing and continue to do to lead that way for us. Mishin, Dengwe, Ankwa, Kwein, Vishnakaz, Fishing Lake, Ndongjaba, Anishinaabe, Ki, Ndongji, Makwado, Dam. So my name is Gabrielle Fayant. I'm originally from Alberta. And I come from uh, a Métis settlement called Fishing Lake. And I currently live here on traditional Algonquin territory and I'm their clan. So that's a little bit about myself. And uh, so we have a women's drum group called Spirit Flower. And I also have one of my, one of my co-singers with me. Hello, uh, my name is Amanda Fox. I come from Wakonakama, Ontario. I'm Ojibwe. Uh, I've been living in Ottawa all my life. Unceded Algonquin territory. Um, I've been singing with Gabby for a few months now. I actually just started singing with the women's drum group again. I was singing with a women's drum group when I was eight years old until I was about 12. And then I stopped and I started singing with the big drum. But um, yeah, it's nice to join her again, join her today. There's actually four of us, but only two of us can make it um, today with you. Um, thanks for inviting us, Um So I just wanted to, to share a little bit about where my family comes from and, and uh, kind of my observations. I've been observing for quite a while. Um, I'm not Algonquin, so I uh, never say that I have any claim to this territory or have any right to really say anything. But uh, I do have that inherent right to observe and to speak my voice. And uh, what I see happening here is, is really similar to, to how the treaties were signed out west, um, how a lot of our people were starved into signing these treaties. Um, my family, coming from that Métis background, all those buffalo, our way of being, our, our resource for life was, was massacred in front of us. And, uh, so I always, I always think about that buffalo and how, how they're coming back again. After so many thousands of, or hundreds of years, they're coming back again. And you know, there's that mysterious herd of buffalo just roaming around in Saskatchewan, and that makes me really happy. But with that being said, for hundreds of years, people have been hurt out west, starved into these, into these things, and while indigenous people honor those treaties and really had their heart and their spirit and intent in those treaties and what it meant to them, the other side wasn't at the same level. And so a lot of those treaties were never honored. So I see these corporations with that same mindset that those old governments had. You know, there, there's change in our government today. However, not everybody, not all Canadians are at that level either. And I see these corporations coming and, and taking, taking our oppression and starving us, really, and taking advantage of those, those things that have happened to us and 
taking advantage of our pain, and uh, we really need to heal. So the song that I, that I was thinking was, would be really important for this event is called the song called Wildflower. And so the story of that song is very old. So this is a song that's been here on, on Turtle Island for many thousands of years probably. And it's a call and response song. So there's a, there's a woman, Barbara Hooper, and uh, she, this song came to her when she was at a powwow one day. And um, it, the song came to her, this vision. And what she saw in this vision was uh, there's the first verse. And in that vision, it's uh, children and, and women. And they're doing their daily activities, like how they used to do a long time ago. So they're out and um, they're probably gathering medicines and gathering berries and, and preparing the meals. And uh, the second verse is uh, about a warrior that comes and he warns them that there's chaos that's coming. And uh, so those women respond back. And uh, this song is really important right now because these people are coming to you and they're warning you. They're telling you that something really bad is going to happen if you allow it to happen. And so what I ask of you is what's your response going to be? Are you going to respond in a good way or are you going to ignore it? Are you going to go and tell your families what needs to happen and encourage more and more people to come out and support this cause in a good way? Or are you just going to let it slide? So that's what this song, um, that's the significance of this song for me. <laughs> Alright, so here we go. So also I have a cold, so. Uh, <laughs> but I, I will give you my all. <laughs>
How was you going to be the guy that told them they were three minutes over their time? <laughs> Uh, I'm going to take an opportunity, uh, just before I introduce our next presenter, to interject myself into some of this discussion, which is what you get to do when you're the MC. Uh, but I just want to uh, uh, link some of the things that have already been said uh, 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 into, into just sort of one flowing, rambling message. And that is this, the, 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 the travesty, the, the, the unthought of, unfathomable tragedy that these perpetrators are trying to inflict on Anishinaabe people in that river is compounded by two things. One is the sheer timing of it. Tito spoke or sang of the Idle No More movement, you know, a movement that's uh, now in its third year that has sparked so much encouragement and life and pride in Indigenous people, especially Indigenous young people across this country, reconnected them to who they are and who we are as Anishinaabe people followed by the, 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 dog, the, the, the work that so many people did to get Canada to sign the UN Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. And then even more work to get them to embrace the spirit under which that covenant was written. The timing after not just last week when, when Justice Murray Sinclair and the, and the other two commissioners issued the final report of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission that called on Canadians, all Canadians, to do some very specific things in the spirit of reconciliation. The very next day, those, bad, insert bad word here, people stuck a, a shovel in the ground in Shodier Falls, just as a kind of a, to people. So disrespectful, so profoundly disrespectful. And um, the other link I wanted to make was with some of the things Gabby was saying about, about what happened in the West, where I come from about how people were forced to sign reserve, sign uh, treaties to live on reserve because they were starved. And that is the kind of same uh, desperation that, that the developers of Windmill are doing. They go, let me give you just a, a, a gross example. We attend uh, the, the Assembly of First Nations uh, General Assemblies every year. Just to you know, meet with chiefs and talk about the work that we're doing and the like. At these assemblies, they have a trade show where resource companies come and financial companies come and try to flog their wares to, to uh, chiefs and, and, and members of First Nations members that come across the country. Always the largest display is set up by, uh, I forget what they're called, Nuclear Energy Canada. And what they're there for is they're trying to get First Nations to take spent nuclear fuel, fuel rods into their communities. And they know that there are some communities that are so desperate, where there's so limited economic activity that they'll take it. And that's what Windmill is doing to the people, uh, 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 some Algonquin people. Dividing, trying to drive this cleave, cleave into Algonquin people saying, oh yeah, well we talked to this group, they're with us, they're on side with us. But they're playing on the desperation of people who really need a leg up. And that, but that's not the kind of leg up they need. So uh, just the crassness, the crassness in which, and how, and what they're doing, when they're doing it, and how they're doing it is something that we need to speak out against uh, to all, uh, all uh, our leaders. Okay, on that cheery note, <laughs> I'm, now, I'm really looking forward to this because I, I, I don't know uh, uh, Kevin Schofield who's about to uh, perform for us, but I'm really always looking forward to new music, so I'm happy. Kevin Schofield.
Last week, um, there, the impact had his vast uh, on the island with some of his contemporaries, and I was one of the fire keepers there. I have a long relationship with Victoria Island. Last week, I slept on the ground. Anybody who's been to like, Aboriginal experiences, there's a little fire in the center. And, um, the fasters were in the teepees, and because there's incidences of arson on Victoria Island, um, I had to sleep outside on the ground because I couldn't sleep in a teepee because somebody might come down there all drunk and light fire to a teepee and bring the fasters killed them. So that's the kind of reality. And I believe so strongly in, in uh, helping and protecting our people and our water that I could sleep outside in wintertime. Tito, see me, right, Tito? Where's Tito? Tito's gone. Yeah, he was there. He came in in the morning and found me sleeping. And I wasn't even shivering or nothing. You too could sleep in the, in the snow outside. We don't like it. You too. And um, I'm lost and alone in the city. I don't have any place to go. I don't have any family. And when I go to Victoria Island, that's where I feel found. And it's the same thing for all of you. You guys all have your sacred spots. Go there, and fire, and say it's yours. Nobody can come there. Just. Your friends and family. During Island War, I, I spent time on Victoria Island with Teresa Spence and her fast. So I wrote a song about that. <coughs> so this song is based on the traditional Cree song. It's called Mamipetuiswin. It's kind of a tongue twister. It's, a, it's a, a lullaby. It goes like this traditionally. So while, while a baby is sleeping, you go like that. a remnant of pre-contact and it's a prayer song priest they annihilated everything every song right they annihilated under threat of death to make all the songs disappear so our grandmother sang us that song and i like to think it was a remnant it was a trick they played on the priest it's just a lullaby it's just a lullaby so we all know this song and then years later i heard it was a prayer song so our ancestors kind of snuck one by the priest. This song. <laughs> the path to visions burned. Many magic things. What if she never comes back again? The woman in white buckskin. Woman in white buckskin. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah, yeah. Hey, She just a dream 
I just wanted to, to, to thank uh, our, our partners for the drum songs and for the prayers and for the introductory words and for the passion that people have shared. Um, and it's not just the people who are presenters up here who have been part of developing and evolving the vision for the Sacred Chaudhya site. I see people from Montreal, I see people who have participated in grandfather's gatherings for over a dozen years to articulate uh, this, this, this vision. I'm going to uh, uh, share a PowerPoint presentation that is mainly pictures. Uh, it's our bilingual presentation, so I hope it fits in with the art uh, criteria of this, uh, this event. And, and then I'll fast forward through uh, a presentation that we made to the National Capital Commission in 2008. And then I'll also assign you your homework, since this is such a, a, a dynamic uh, presentation. Uh, I met Grandfather Commander in 1997, uh, after many years of work in the criminal justice system. Work that touched me very deeply, because I myself come from South Africa, and I know about the oppression of people uh, in, uh, in a very personal way. I quit working for the federal government in the criminal justice system to support grandfather's uh, work to create a circle of all nations, a culture of peace. And one huge project of ours was the vision for Asenabka, the sacred Shaudia site. Um, we continue to, to raise awareness the best we can about this project to, uh, at, at levels of government, at community levels. And we're also challenging uh, some thoughts about uh, potential other work at this uh, sacred Chaudhya site through the, the, the court system and, and uh, things like that. You'll find much of our information about this work at the Asanabka uh, uh, website, asanabka.com. But I draw your, your attention especially to the June 21st, 2014 report and page 21 and 22 where we talk about the legacy vision for the Sacred Chaudhya site, the mandate, the core vision, and what we expect would be the, the, the uh, key results. And these results embrace all of us, so I hope you will uh, take the time to understand this a little better. Thank you. So uh, a synopsis of the development of the vision for the Sacred Chaudhya site. In the 1970s, Douglas Cardinal and Jean Piggott with the National Capital Commission, identify Victoria Island as a site for the Indigenous Center. In the 1990s, the development of ideas for the Indigenous Center at Victoria Island grow. In 1998, the presentation to the Algonquin Nations Tribal Council by Elders William Commander and Peter DeConti and Douglas Cardinal is supported. Between 2000 and 2002, uh, William, Douglas, and I made road trips to all the Algonquin communities in Quebec and Ontario to develop key components of the vision. In 2000, we also made a presentation of the vision to Her Excellency, the uh, uh, former Governor General, Adrian Clarkson, at the Circle of All Nations Millennium Peace Gathering on Nepean Point. Nepean is an Algonquin word, and it means place where we sleep. And the Le Breton Flats area was the old Nepean. And uh, in the language is captured the story of the indigenous peoples and their presence in this particular area over 5,000, 6,000 years at least. We say actually going back 10,000 years uh, post the uh, retreat of the uh, Wisconsin 
uh, glacier. Uh, and very recently, I see Roger in the room, there have been people who have uh, been acknowledging the presence of, in, uh, of the ancient people, dating back 6,000 years, dating back 2,500 years, um, uh, and uh, in, in historic times, evident in, in, in what was acknowledged by uh, Champlain, by Brule, in terms of the presence of indigenous peoples at this particular site. Um, and actually, uh, just yesterday, I see there's more news about bones being uncovered in this area, which seems to mm -hmm. confirm the, the, the presence of uh, people uh, here for time immemorial. Um, between 1998 and 2002, and actually on until 2011, the development of the vision at the annual Circle for Nations gatherings at Bidibi Lake continued, and many of you participated in that uh, development. And so we continue uh, our efforts on, on behalf of the commitment of, of many people passionate about this. In 2003, uh, uh, Grandfather Commander hosted a gathering of Algonquin elders to present a report on the vision. Uh, in Manawaki, it was fully supported by Algonquins from all communities on both sides of the river. Um, in 2003, Larry McDermott undertook graduate research into governance structures for an indigenous center in consultation with William Commander. In 2004, with support of the Ministry of Canadian Heritage and the National Capital Commission, a draft memorandum was prepared. Conceptual plans were refined by Douglas Cardinal. In 2006, the National Capital Commission endorsed the project and earmarked 35 million for the commencement of a two-phase development. But unfortunately, 2006 was also the year of the sponsorship scandal. And uh, that is part of the larger Canadian story and it had um, impacts on, on the development of this vision. Uh, in 2006, Elder Commander was presented with the key to the city of Ottawa. And at that formal uh, public occasion, he presented his <coughs> vision for the sacred Chardia site. One that, oh, Rebecca? Well, that's the second presentation. Maybe I'll speed up to that if you give me some time later. Um, uh, the, the, the Birch Park uh, uh, print that you might have seen earlier disturbing other people's presentations. <coughs> That was the, the vision for the entire site that was presented publicly. But it had already been articulated in 2003 in the five-circle diagram that you would find um, on, on our website. Um, in 2006, the Circle of All Nations Water Life Workshop drew attention to the degradation of the Ottawa River. It resulted really in the animation of Ottawa River Keepers and many other efforts to, to, to focus on the environmental prong of the vision for the indigenous center, uh, respect for the water. In 2006, Elder Commander served as honorary chair to the committee to designate the Ottawa River a heritage river. In 2006 and 7, uh, the expansion of uh, the hydro development at Shaudia was challenged by Circle of All Nations and colleagues further to uh, public discussion, not only with uh, Aboriginal peoples, but with all peoples interested in environmental issues in November 2006. In 2007, 
Eric Smith, uh, a graduate student, prepared a research report on the removal of dams and the restoration of the site. Uh, later, he presented a master's thesis on the indigenous colonial settler relations at the Shaudia site. That might also be worth uh, uh, re-examining because it, it brings us to, to some of the continuing issues that uh, impact the evolution uh, and the advancement of our work here. In um, uh, 2010, Elder Commander presented a comprehensive vision for the sacred Shaudia site and the indigenous center in Victoria Island. And in November, November 19, 2010, the city of Ottawa endorsed the comprehensive vision for the site, and it date-stamped every page of the 57-page report. And that 57-page report includes specific mention of wild space in the capital city. Um, in 2011, William Commander presents the comprehensive vision to Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth and to Governor General Mikhail Jean with respect to the honor of the crown. Now, to a certain extent, Mikhail Jean responded by creating the William Commander, Dr. William Commander Pavilion at the University of Ottawa. And in this process, we see, um, moving from the days when uh, Duncan Campbell Scott stifled the voice and the prayer and the song and the dance of indigenous peoples to its uh, re-emergence in what you've heard uh, the, 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 this morning uh, over here, but also uh, William Commander. We wrote a book about him. We called it Learning from a Kindergarten Dropout. And almost immediately after that, the uh, um, University of Ottawa presented him with an honorary doctorate degree. Uh, um, uh, a few years later, so did the, the, the University of uh, Quebec Outaouais. And what we see in that is the acknowledgement that it's not just old traditional knowledge that is not of great relevance uh, to all of us uh, that uh, that old native people and old native elders represent. It's actually the kind of wisdom that you transform and inform knowledge uh, in, in, in higher level academic institutions. And uh, so that is how we see Mikhaja moving towards respecting the honor of the crown. In 2013, Douglas Cardinal upgraded <coughs> the conceptual designs for the sacred site. In 2013, Peace and Good Governance uh, city group, uh, Citizens Group endorses the Indigenous vision and presents it to Minister, former Minister Baird and also to the UN Rapporteur on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. By this, uh, I mean to say that William Commander made overtures in the earlier stage to the, the, the Liberals who were in power. Uh, he also uh, received considerable support from um, um, Paul Dewar, and I recall the late Jack Layton attending William's birthday party, and, and uh, 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 when he heard about this vision, thought it was very inspiring, and assigned the work to Paul Dewar, who then advanced it to a certain, a certain level. With the presentation of this communities group uh, uh, report to the, the former uh, conservative leadership, we feel that we've made outreach to all levels of government and informed them all equally uh, of, of, of the, the, the merits of this uh, uh, project. Um, William Commander's colleagues from Argentina actually presented William's legacy to the, uh, the United Nations Human Rights Council expert mechanism on the rights of indigenous peoples in 2014 and uh, part, uh, part in partnership also with uh, Idle No More. 
And I would like to say, uh, um, I don't know has woken us up here in the capital city, but I'd also like to say, following on the footsteps of Grandfather Commander, who never idled till his, his dying day at the age of 98. Um, and finally, I'd say the Circle of All Nations, Lindsay Lambert, I'd like to acknowledge for his passion for, for keeping the, 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 the spirit of the Shadia Falls alive in, in so many hearts by his painful handwritten notes reaching out. Uh, it's, 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 it's awakened the spirit of the falls in, in many hearts. And, uh, and, and, and so we assert the, 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 the key components of the vision. Four, an indigenous center on the eastern half of Victoria Island and you may have seen Douglas Cardinal's conceptual designs. And this is a place for the, the First Nations, the Inuit, and the Métis to come together to recover their strength, their stories, and, 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 and their histories, and, and, and reignite the, 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 the passion of indigenous on this land at the central, central meeting place, um, uh, hosted by the people of the Ottawa River watershed, the Algonquins. And uh, the other part of the vision is for this type of activity, for an eco-peace tank, so that people will, will engage in discussions about what William Commander identified as the two critical issues of our times. Um, the, the, the issue of respect for Mother Earth and the waters. He started to talk about this publicly in 1987 with the, uh, the, the constitutional discussions on indigenous issues. And he ignited the global prayer for Mother Earth and Paris in the pre-Rio discussions in 91. Uh, just recently, Canada re-presented itself on the global stage uh, in, 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 with respect to environmental issues. And we wrote to the Prime Minister and said, do not forget that you are walking in the footsteps of the indigenous. The indigenous were already present in this global forum to raise the profile of the, the, the urgency to address uh, environmental issues. A few days later, uh, November 13th, we had the bombings in Paris, and it gave us occasion to write yet again to the Prime Minister and the federal leadership. And that was in relation to the other prong of the William Commander work, peace building. Um, he was born on the eve of the First World War, and the energy of global warfare very much informed his life and his thinking and uh, reaffirmed for him repeatedly the huge need to rebuild relationships, to, 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 to look towards uh, the spirit of Gina Daganuk, the spirit of we're all uh, connected. And that was then very much uh, uh, the, the, the passion of his prayer that he wanted to see ignited in this peace-building eco-think tank. He also, felt that we needed all to reignite our relationships with Mother Earth. Most of us who are not of indigenous roots come from someplace else where we have broken the sacred connection with Mother Earth, with our ancestral lands, with our waters. When he, like his ancestors, saw the newcomers coming in in such huge numbers, he realized he needed to make them understand how they needed to connect with his Mother Earth because he needed all of us to be part of the stewardship uh, responsibility for his land. He knew he couldn't protect her alone. 
needed all of us. And he wanted indigenous plants re replanted at the Shaudia Island to reconnect all of us with the sanctuary, Central Park, New York. He also wanted to see the Shaudia Falls um, freed to the extent possible, despite the, the years of industrial uh, devastation. And there, it's critically important to realize uh, the, the, the symbolic uh, message of the Shaudia Falls, where the Ottawa River flows from the west to the east, where it is joined by the, the, the Gatineau, the Tanagatan coming in from the north, and the Rido coming in from the south, where it spins on an indigenous natural medicine wheel and, and energetically contains uh, so much of what was important to the old people. And as Kevin said, how the, the, the songs have still remained to remind us how, how important that is. Uh, our PowerPoint presentation started with the spirit of the ancestors, uh, some, some drawings by, some paintings by Bev Doolittle, uh, and the early ancestors, like exactly Duncan Campbell Scott, being afraid of the big trees and the fearfulness of nature, uh, and going through a whole cycle where now mental health issues are challenging us at every level, public servants, um, uh, the prison systems, uh, public schools, where, where little kids have to be exposed to a month of mental health uh, uh, education. And now our police, our responders to emergency crises are committing suicide. Uh, and we see, of course, mental health challenges reflected in the highest levels of our Canadian society today. This is the kind of deep healing that Grandfather <coughs> Commander wanted to see ignited here. And it, it, it's, it's both the responsibility and it is also the legacy gift for all of us. Thank you. Thank you, Emilio, for reminding us why we all indeed are here and for giving us the incentive and the uh, desire to, to keep moving forward in the footsteps of Father Commander. Uh, it just made me think it was interesting, you know, when we when, when Romola spoke about the, the bones that were just recently discovered on the banks of the river. And I have to think that uh, that uh, the ancestors took a very interesting time to reveal themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, uh, I'm now, uh, William, uh, ever busy, is going to be passing around a, a sign-up sheet uh, for anybody who's interested in receiving more information. If uh, there's going to be activities going on, there's going to be some action being taken uh, by organizers, as we did. I don't know if uh, you're familiar with the, the, the day that the, the condo sales began. They had an information session on the island. So we, a group of us, went and just, just handed out information to prospective buyers saying that, you know, this might not be in your best interest to buy on this property, invest in this property. It's on land. It doesn't belong to the developers. It's contested, and it's going to be contested for a long time. And we did have some immediate success and people just turned around less. Uh, but others went in and, you know, that's good, that's good. Uh, they'll we'll, uh, learn in the, at the end of the day. So, one of the people who's there is our next presenter who is going to both uh, uh, share some of her music with us and also some of her words. Vela. Also known as Julie Thomas. Hi, hello. It's a real honor to be on this panel. Um, it's just been fabulous, all the music and the good words. 
Um, my spirit name on this territory is Nopini Nagamo, and that means Song of the Forest. I take that name very seriously. And my music, I, I use the name Vela. That's actually my capoeira name. Uh, capoeira is a Brazilian martial art, and I earned that name through a lot of suffering, a lot of grief, and it means candle. And that's what I want my music to be, is like a candle to offer warmth and light to others. So that's, that's part of my purpose with my music. Um, so I have only like really a short amount of time. So the, I decided to just talk about two things. So I'm obviously a settler ally. Um, my background is Scottish and British. I've been living in Ottawa off and on since I was about one. I was in Guyana, South America before that. Um, and so the first thing I'm going to speak about is what are our responsibilities as settler allies. And I don't have very long, so if this is too quick, um, you can look on freethefalls.ca, but the first person I'm going to refer to is actually Dr. Lynn Gell. Uh, she's Anishinaabe Kwe, and she has a lot of resources for settler allies about being a good ally. And it's very provocative when you read it, and rather demanding. And so I really suggest you start there. And it doesn't matter if you don't agree with it all, that's fine. Because you have to decide for yourself what your responsibilities are. Um, but you also have to be willing to keep learning because you're going to change with what you learn and so it may change your behavior over time the more you go. It, it's a journey to become a really good ally. Um, and so one thing, so there's just a cute few quick points like guilt is useless, that's paralyzing. What our ancestors did as settlers was horrible. But if we fall into guilt today, then we're not going to be able to take action to make things right. So when we realize that we're benefiting unjustly from what happened in the past, we need to step up and take action to change that so that everyone has a good life. Um, and you know, it's just like uh, that, that, I'm sure you've all heard us saying, you know, if you're here to help me, you're wasting your time. If you're here because you know that your liberation is bound up in my own, then let's work together. I think that's a really good thing to keep in mind when you're trying to be a good ally. Um, my friend Matt Brown has written a lot about this, um, and I'm going to very grossly summarize what he's written to show up, shut up, and stick around. So what that means is, you know, obviously you have to show up and be willing to take action and be an ally, but you need to listen. There's so much to learn. You can't just go into a community and, and, uh, and want to take action right away because you don't know the dynamics, you don't know the people. And by, by sticking around, that means build relationships. You really need to build relationships with Indigenous people if you're going to make a difference. Um, the other thing I, I was thinking uh, just while I was sitting there and, and uh, Michael was talking about this is that like, you need to really assess the impact your actions are having. So when I think of what, what's happening with windmill development and, and Energy Auto as well, we've got to keep in mind like windmills trying to take over the islands and Energy Ottawa is trying to further imprison the falls. And what that's doing, especially windmill, is it's causing more division in the Anishinaabe, the Algonquin communities. Now, if that were me, and those, my actions were having that impact, I don't pray or hope I'd have the backbone. backbone. I know I would have the backbone to back off. Back way the hell off. And let the indigenous communities sort it out for themselves. So that's one thing. Um, and so one idea that I was asked to talk about specifically is um, Freeing the Falls and its, uh, the Freeing Shodier Falls and its Islands, which is the group that I'm part of, has a new hashtag we're promoting called Move ZB. So we feel this is a real win-win situation. Um, Le Breton Flats needs to be developed. It turns out that windmill development, um, yeah, <laughs> windmill development is actually part of a Rendezvous Group Consortium, which is one of only two 
groups to put their bids in on time for developing the Brenton Flats. So we're arguing that they could just move ZB over there. Yes. And then all of the good things that would happen to the communities that want to work with, with Windmill would still happen. There'd still be jobs for Algonquins, uh, signage in Algonquin. It would be by the Pimsy uh, light rail station, which is Pimsy means eel in Algonquin. So again, like these green condo owners would be closer to public transport. Tra public transports, that's great. Um, so that's an example of a win-win situation. Then the last thing I'm going to talk about before I sing um, is what are our duties as human beings? And this has been, people have touched on this already. Um, we're all human. We are all connected to the land and the water and the air and the sun and the fire. You don't need a shaman or an elder or an iman or a priest to mediate your relationship to the land. Because you're a human being. Yeah. <laughs> Um, as Theta Phoenix puts it, you know, we all bleed red blood, we all have salty tears. So you need to, and, you know, we talk about like a connected world, and that's like internet bullshit, right? What we really need to do is connect to the land and water, however that is meaningful for you. Maybe you can reach out to your ancestors, maybe you can talk to elders in your own community and connect with the water, uh, connect with the land, and then listen. You know, and listen without ego, with, listen without interpreting it as a human. Listen to what the land and the water really wants. And that's what the song I'm about to sing is about. Um, and then act on it, or don't act. Because you may get a message to act or to not act, and both are very important. And the, the question really is, like, you can keep asking, like, what can I co-create with this, this Kicha city? What can I co-create with Akikojiwan, with the waterfall, with Asanabka, this sacred area? Um, and then finally, just like having to build relationships with each other and with communities, you need to build a relationship with the land that you're on. Whether you came here because you wanted to, or because you were forced here, or because you've been here since time immemorial, you're here now. So to build a relationship with the land, I really like, um, John Young has this concept of a steady spot. So you go to the same spot every day, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. You know, the animals change when you're there long enough. Their behavior changes. We think of animals as like kind of flitting away and scared. They're not like that when you're there long enough and you drop into their language. So that's a possibility for all of us to do, even if you only have a park. I'm really lucky. I'm, I'm on I'm on the Kitchen City. I'm in Britannia by Mud Lake. So I go there all the time and it's really beautiful. But even if you have a city park, you can do that. Um, and so now I'm going to sing my song because I, I know we don't have very much time. Um, and I just want to acknowledge like this is this is the Phil Oaks Festival and I am like the biggest Phil Oaks fan ever. I grew up on his music. Um, I'm kind of I'm kind of disappointed I won't get to sing any of his songs this time around. It just didn't work out, but I will have another opportunity later. But in a way, by singing this song to you, I'm actually honoring and uh, this tribute to him because he has such a big influence on me and the fact that I tend to write songs about issues instead of like love songs. <laughs> love songs are great, but not too many of them. Um, but my, I think my, the way I do things is probably a little bit different than his because with this song, which is called Reconciliation River, I, you know, we, we've been blocked from the Shodier Falls or the, the dam covering Shodier Falls, but I found this place where I can climb down <laughs> by the bridge, um, and I can, I, <laughs> I can actually like be there. Uh, you just have to get through some bars and stuff like that. There, there's, like, there's like no no trespassing sign or anything. So I haven't been arrested yet, um, and no one molests me while I'm down there. And and I can just see the overflow. And so that's where I went. And I and I went and I asked like, is there a song? Do you have a song for me? 
So this song, um, it's not from me, like the little ego that wrote it, right? Like this comes from the river and the falls. And that's why you, you'll hear that the voice shift a little bit in it to be the voice of the river. Um, and so I'm really honored to carry this song, and I don't own it. I, don't, I believe songs have spirit. And so this song, I don't even know what she's going to do in the world necessarily. Maybe other people are going to sing this song. All I had to do, though, my duty, my responsibility, was to bring the song into form. And so every time I sing it, and today I'm going to sing it just my voice, just like, I was, like it was given to me originally. Um, yeah, so thank you very much. And often people want to clap when they hear songs. Um, you don't have to do that. You know, this is my prayer, honestly. So if you want to clap, that's great. If you even want to put your hand to your heart or just be silent, I won't be offended. You know, music has many, many purposes. Thank you. Come back where the waters roar. Come back where spirits soar. Honor the waters and shores. A sacred space once more. Come back to the place you used to know. Come back to where spirits grow. There's another way. I asked the river what she wanted to say. I want you to connect. I want you to remember when you knew you were part of all I've joined together. I gave you my heart. Where the waters roar, I gave you my trust. Will you honor me once more? I am not dead. Don't cover me with concrete. I need the green islands where the four elements meet. The river spoke to me. Does she speak to you? This future can be ours. There's loving work to do. Will we act? Be reconciliation with each other and all our relations. Reconciliation with all our relations. Reconciliation for future generations. Reconciliation, conciliation too, cannot be empty words. Action makes it true. Elders have a vision to heal our nation's heart. Show dear falls and islands, are you ready to start? Ready to start? Ready with heart to do your part? Make a place to heal, a place to share, to connect, a place to care. Will we act? Be reconciliation with each other and all our relations. Reconciliation with all our relations. Reconciliation for future generations. The river spoke to me. Does she speak to you? This vision can be ours. There's loving work to do. Loving work to do. Loving work to do.
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so uh, we have one more presenter. Um, uh, 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 Peter Degani has been uh, Degani, sorry, uh, spoke, has been uh, uh, I know uh, at Octopus Books uh, a couple times in the last few months, making presentations on the history of the Ottawa watershed, uh, and he is going to share some of his knowledge with us as we speak. Hello, everyone. Thank you for the introduction. My name is Peter Degani, and. Uh, Currently, I'm working with the Algonquin Nation Secretariat, which we work for four Algonquin communities, Temiskaming, Barrier Lake, Wolf Lake, and uh, Eagle Village. Uh, we've been engaged in research for the past, oh, almost 30 years, I guess, in different ways, on uh, to document uh, Aboriginal title for these communities, because as you know, uh, there's no treaties covering the Ottawa Valley. And I've, I'm honored to be here, and certainly it's been wonderful to hear from the previous speakers. Um, I was trying to put my thoughts together about what I could say that hadn't already been said, or that might be helpful to you folks. So maybe some of the things I'm going to say you've heard already, if that's the case, uh, please indulge me. Otherwise, hopefully you can take something away from, from this. But um, as some of the speakers mentioned, the Ottawa Valley has been inhabited for thousands of years. Um, certainly, it, it's the traditional territory of the Algonquin Nation, and one of the things the communities I work for have always said very clearly is that there aren't Algonquins of Ontario or Algonquins of Quebec. There are Algonquin people of the Ottawa River watershed, and that imposing those kind of boundaries helps uh, create divisions, and that's one of the reasons why uh, communities I work for feel very strongly about the fact that the provincial border really is an impediment. Um, and because Algonquin people have been here for so long, thousands and thousands of years, we've been reading about the, the uh, recent publication about the archaeological work um, that started as early as 1845, where the Museum of History is now an ancient ossuary uh, burial site. Uh, you've got to look at the Ottawa River as a highway. It was like the 401. That was the, the, the entrance way into the interior of the continent. Uh, indigenous people knew that long before the French came and, and the French made use of it as their highway. Uh, the people who controlled the Ottawa Valley were basically the gatekeepers for people from the west who wanted to get down into the Atlantic region or for people going the other way up into the, the upper lakes. So Algonquin people would have known the area very well and selected the best sites for their habitations. Uh, the area around Chaudhier Falls would have been like a rest stop. Anybody coming up or down the river would have had to stop there. They would have had to portage. They would have had to camp. They would have met other people on their way up and down the river. So it was a very strategic location and it was also an area where people naturally would, um, would gather. It's not surprising then um, that indigenous peoples would have chosen the best locations because they had you know, a few thousand years to think about it and find out about where the good places were. It also shouldn't come as a surprise that when Europeans came, those were the places they coveted first because they were the best places where people would gather. And that's something we find uh, certainly with the islands in the Ottawa River. Some of you may know 
that uh, the Algonquins were traditionally allies of the French, but after 1760, they uh, became allies of the British and became part of the covenant chain of treaties um, where the British agreed to protect uh, and to respect the Aboriginal title of, of Aboriginal nations and enter into treaty. The Royal Proclamation of 1763 was part of that where you know, King George III said that there would be um, no land taken unless there was consent. And the Algonquins were there front and center. In fact, they were the Algonquin and Nipissing Chiefs were given a copy of the Royal Proclamation at Niagara in 1764. And as late as the 1840s, they were still waving around the proclamation to the government saying, you made these commitments to us, what, what's happened? Um, one interesting thing about the islands is that starting at least around 1799 or 1800, the Algonquin and Nipissing chiefs actually leased those islands out to settlers. They made arrangements directly with settlers and people acknowledged they controlled those islands. So basically, from Gatineau all the way up to Deep River uh, and beyond, um, those islands were actually being rented out. The Crown heard about it and said, well, you can't deal directly with the settlers. We'll do it on your behalf. And by 1840, the governor, um, of the day basically said, well, we're not going to recognize these rights. We'll just let give the squatters um, rights. So there's a history to the islands, and I always think about that whenever I think about Chaudière and, and Victoria Island and so on. Um, the other thing I guess to keep in mind is that there's always been competition over those islands. If you go back turn of the 20th century, or turn of the 19th century, uh, the early 1900s, uh, E.B. Eddy controlled the islands and the water power on the Quebec side, and J.R. Booth controlled the islands and the water power on the Ontario side. And they were litigating against each other over who would get what. Um, in any event, let's fast forward to today and, and some of the issues. Uh, I realize you've been hearing a lot of speakers, and I, I appreciate your patience. Um, today, Government is using many of the same excuses they've used over the last 300 years for not dealing with Algonquin title and rights. There's third parties everywhere. Um, we can't do it because of this or because of that. So essentially the, the, the land rights don't get dealt with. That's why um, the communities uh, that I work for have been assembling their evidence to either try and negotiate or perhaps if they need to, to go to court to resolve the Aboriginal title issue. Um, the developers of the ZB project have indicated that you know they're, they don't need to consult necessarily because they're, they're third party owners. It's not their problem, but it is their problem because it's a sacred site and there's a lot of voices um, within the Algonquin community and the non-Indian community that are saying they should do the right thing and, and think more carefully about how they're approaching this. Um, I guess maybe if I, to end things, I'd just like to say, because other speakers have mentioned it, you know, you hear this word bandied about quite a lot these days, reconciliation. Um, I guess what, you know, what does that really mean? It's easy for something to become a catchword or a slogan and get hijacked. But if we really think about what reconciliation means and what needs to be done at this time, I think the islands of the Chaudière Falls are a good example of what could happen, which is let's stop and step back and really think about what needs to be done given the history of those islands and their meaning, and, and given um, especially a lot of the, um, 
the good words that have been coming out of the current government. I'm, I'm waiting to see when the, I, I think I mentioned this in a previous talk at giving out. I'm waiting for the, the pixie dust to settle and let's get back to reality and see what really happens. But hopefully, um, there will, you know, there have been some positive signals, and, and if there is a real intention to reconcile the pre-existing rights of, of Algonquin people with the current population who live here, then um, doing the right thing about the development on Ashadir and, and Zibi, I think, would be a really good way to start. So we can always be hopeful. If not, then um, certainly things will enter another phase, I'm sure. But I'd like to thank you for coming out today and for your support. It is important, and that's just good to see so many people out. Thank you.